Are you tired of playing the same old games over and over again? Are you looking to spice up your game night with creative new ideas? Look no further because we're here to add some excitement back into your game night. We'll even show you how to take your love of games outside the confines of the living room. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everybody! In this episode, we talk mixing and matching expansions. For the dice roll, we'll list some games that pair well together. And for our escape room report, we go 200 leagues under the sea for a Nautilus-themed room. And of course, our Friday favorites. So it's 2020 now. Hooray! New year, yep. new games to play. <laughs> Lots of new games well, to play. Oh my god. I got so many fun things for Christmas. You got a mm-hmm. couple too. But we'll talk yeah. about that in a bit. So for 2020, we want to change things up a little bit for the format. So first, Lauren... What are you bringing to game night? Well, I'm bringing a new intro and a new intro song to our episodes. Oh, it sounds so good. Yes. Our new um, song is Mega Rust by TwinsMusic.com. Our old song, sadly, was no longer available for podcast use, so we needed to make a change. But um, we also just felt like it was time to make a change. Yeah, you know. And I I really like this one. Uh, Yeah, it's fun. It's quite enjoyable, and I had a good time editing it. Mm -hmm. Greg, what are you bringing to game night? Well, I'm bringing uh, something that's a bit more intangible than that. Uh-huh. I'm bringing a new relationship status. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because on New Year's Day, mm-hmm. I took you on an amazing race scavenger hunt. Yes, which has kind of become our couple saying. In right. fact, I'm thinking we might have to do an episode about how to create a scavenger hunt for your loved ones. Really fun. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we ended with an escape room. Which we'll talk about naturally. in a future episode, not yeah, this one. Not this one. Maybe ne- Probably next month. Probably next month, yeah. Uh, and at the end of it, uh, just as we got to the end of the room, you found the last clue from me. Mm-hmm. And when you turned around, I was on my knee proposing. Yep. So, And she said what? I said yes. Okay. <laughs> so your favorite mom and dad are getting married finally. <laughs> and thank you for all to the well-wishers and everything yes. online. We do appreciate that. And yeah, so I'm bringing uh, a ring for you. Yeah. For game <laughs> a lot of changes for 2020. Yeah, very many. <laughs> Which is a good thing, I think. All right, let's get into our main topic. So for our main topic, for our first episode of the year, I thought it'd be kind of fun to mix and match. Mm Because, you know, I'm sure a lot of you guys got some fun games for the Christmas uh, uh, holiday. And, you know, sometimes those games can be fun on their own, but sometimes they can actually be kind of combined with other games. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about sort of um, combining them into one bigger game. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes you'll get things like expansions, you know, like um, Ticket to Ride million different expansions for that. And they're all their own standalone game, essentially. Yeah, but not all expansions are standalone games. Right. Uh, some of them can technically be. Like, I remember Munchkin. Mm-hmm. The uh, core set for Munchkin um, is its own thing. But then the expansions, you know, like the uh, Unnatural Axe, the first one that came out for that. Technically speaking, you could play that on its own, but then, like, you don't have many choices for the class and race, yeah. you know, but... It's a bit more to augment the core set. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that I've noticed is that sometimes when you try to combine expansions or similar games to the main base, it doesn't quite work out. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk about games that you can combine and games that are not as easy to combine Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, like it, it seems like it would go well together, but does it really? Yeah. Easy ones right out the gate. Things like Cards Against Humanity doesn't matter just throw them all in there it's fine all the expansions work together right i mean they do have expansions that are based upon certain themes or certain holidays even Mm -hmm. but you can essentially leave those in all year yeah it doesn't really matter you know same with like super fight we have all the thing i like about super fight is that they have the different colored cards Mm -hmm. for the different 
expansions. So if you do want to separate them out, it's easier. Yeah. And Super Fight, we should say, is a game where you are essentially usually building some kind of um, hero that has all these different um, abilities. Right. And, and they'll have. And trying to battle one another. They'll have cards that tell you who your hero is, yeah. what weapon or stat that they have, things like that, you know. But like the geeky pack has orange cards and mm-hmm. they have a Christmas pack that has like red and green cards. So those are easy to segregate out, you know. Um, another one that actually is. One that has a bunch of different versions, but you could easily combine them together, is that Funko Universe mm-hmm. uh, kind of fighter game. We have the Harry Potter one, which we played once or twice, and it's fun, but I feel like, because it's only just been you and I playing it, yeah. and I feel like it's definitely more fun with one person for each character, like mm-hmm. four, three or four players, rather than just two, because otherwise it's just literally me versus you, and I'm controlling two different dudes. I, I think it would be interesting to see, like, Lord Voldemort go against the Golden Girls, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a lot of them, the, the purpose of the expansions is to mix and match. Like, mm-hmm. something like Smash Up, which is a game you like a lot. Right. That one is specifically made so that you can mix as many of the decks as you want. Yeah. Because it's all based upon the same core mechanic, right? Mm-hmm. And even when they have new mechanics be added into the expansions... Like, uh, I think it was the third expansion, they started having the little, like, power tokens that you could put on the werewolves or the vampires to keep track of, oh, my numbers are going up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't break or really conflict too hard with the original core set in the first expansion uh-huh. that don't use those. It's just that's another reason you want those creatures versus these ones, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that every um, grouping in Smash Up work well together. It just oh, no. means you, I mean, you can. It just doesn't mean that all of them are, you know, the best mix. I have mix. yet to find a way to make pirate ninjas work. Because <laughs> yeah. they're both about moving too much, mm-hmm. you know? So you need kind of like a balance, right? Yeah. But things that don't necessarily work out too well, or when you're trying to mix and match different expansions, once again, going back to Munchkin, mm-hmm. if you keep within the same theme, it's fine. Uh-huh. But the second you start to combine two different themes, like fantasy and sci-fi, or pirates and nightmare before Christmas, then you start to get into trouble because technically speaking, they all play with the same core rule set. Yeah. They all have the same stats, the same prices on them, all that. The and objective is always the same in Munchkin. Exactly. And even though, yes, they do have different backs to them, so you can clearly tell, oh, it's a, it's a pirate one coming up as opposed to the cowboy one. You could technically just ignore that or get the sleeve backs that, you know, make all the backs look the same for the cards. So that's something you can eliminate. But the problem is that those cards often say, you know, let's just say we're looking at the steampunk deck that you have, you know. Oh, if a card has gears on it, you get a bonus or not a bonus. Yeah. But if you're combining that with another deck that has nothing to do with gears whatsoever, mm-hmm. the power of that card and its balance significantly goes down. Yeah. Because you're not going to see that aspect of that particular trait that the card depends upon as often. Mm-hmm. So they do combine well, but not great. Because if I am constantly looking for some other pirates to help out my pirate deck, but in this huge stack, who knows where it is? You yeah. know, I keep getting ray guns because I've also got the Star Wars one in here. That's not going to do me any favors. Um, or another one that is close to your heart is the Ticket to Rides, mm-hmm. right? Um there is one... Usually, they're pretty self-contained. Yeah. Sometimes, some of them only come with the board and not the train car, so you mm-hmm. kind of have to have another one so that you can you do it. Right. But I kind of like that, though, because once you have the train cars, like, it kind of stinks that you have to pay a little bit more for other boxes to essentially buy the train cars again mm-hmm. when I just want the board yeah. to play on, you know? 
but there's one version specifically I can think of in Ticket to Ride that you could use with other maps, mm -hmm. and that is the UK version where you have to buy the power-ups to be able to work your trains. I've been yeah, thinking about this. but only some of the power-ups, because some of the stuff is also just about where you can go. True. So you, but you, so you can't do those. That's why it's not a perfect uh -huh. thing. But I think it would be interesting to do it on just any other map, like the American map, where you have to start by buying the ability to buy, to put down uh, four or five long trains, mm -hmm. to be able to buy the ability to, um, you know, take three carts whenever you draw a card instead of just two. Mm -hmm. I think be, that's a cool mechanic that you could translate onto the other boards. And yeah, you're right. The part about, oh, uh, the permission to build in Wales or Ireland. Yeah. That's clearly not going to work, but the rest of the cards do. Mm -hmm. And so I think it would be kind of fun to translate that. Plus also, you know, there's a lot of like little tiny mechanics in each of the games that I think you could technically translate to the other games, like the tunnel system. Yeah. That's in Europe and I think the Norwegian country one, you know, mm -hmm. where you had to check to see if anything goes wrong that you'd have to pay more. It would be interesting to see there's a way that everyone could agree upon, okay, well, like, this is also counting as a tunnel on, like, let's say the Asia map, mm -hmm. even though there's no tunnels listed there. You know, I, I there's so many different mechanics that I think it would be kind of cool to play, like, a super game of all the mechanics thrown in together. And I kind of wish that maybe there was a way to do that especially on the rails and sails map yeah where it's the entire world like mm -hmm. and now we're dealing with all of it you guys yeah. have built up to this this is the infinity wars we've, of our game yeah we've always said that we want to take like all of our maps and put them out and have like a huge like cross world right. uh, ticket to ride game i mean how fantastic would that mm -hmm. be right going back one more um one that you do like as well but i don't think could work as well would be clank mm -hmm. because clank first of all you have clank you have clank in space which even though they do play similar, completely different games. Yeah, and completely different. Like, the cards wouldn't work from one to the other. They could, in theory, work for, like, the basic numbers. Mm -hmm. But there's so many other little stats, especially on the In Space one. Yeah. About, like, you know, kind of uh, groups that the allies play to. Mm -hmm. It would be a nightmare. Yeah. But at the same time, the, um, I believe, the mummy one, can't those combine? Those can, technically. Yeah. But once again, if you're not playing with the mummy mm -hmm. or the curse tokens on your thing, but you just want to put the mummy cards in there, yeah. you're still missing out on a good part of the balance, mm -hmm. you see. One, I think that probably there's no real good crossover is the different expansions of um, Pandemic. Right. That That's, yeah. They're all kind of their own thing. You, you can't do the Iberian... Uh, ancient Rome pandemic with the modern day pandemic. With, with the one where they have the petri dishes and the cure, yeah. right? That'd be ridiculous, right? Um, even in the first expansion they had, which I think was called um, uh, On the Brink, mm -hmm. they have like three different ways to play that game that are part of the expansion, and they're like, do not combine all three together. It, you will not win. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Like even to combine two of them together is impossible. Mm -hmm. Like that, it, you can't do it. Well, yeah, I even heard too someone recently say that they were going to try to take their old um, pandemic or pandemic legacy game and just play regular pandemic on it. And no it's way. like, no, it's not going to work. Like there's no way that that will work. Because in Legacy, not to spoil anything, mm -hmm. but your basic objective of just curing the diseases changes very quickly. Yeah. And it goes to far different and objectives you than you can imagine. And you cards and you... And cities get and wrecked. Cities, and yeah. It's... You can't go down certain routes anymore or yeah. new routes become and available. You, you put all these different stickers on the board and stuff. Some Legacy games are meant to, when you're done, the board is 
something that you can play on. But those but ones, the board's so viable to play. Yeah, Pandemic in particular is an expansion, or not an expansion, but a legacy game that is meant to be played through the number of times, and then that is it. Right. Um, but like we just are kind of went in with friends recently and got the Clank Legacy. Mm-hmm. And Clank Legacy is one specifically that once you're done, essentially you're building the board yeah. through the game. And once you're done, you're going to have a completed board that you can't play with. And the Legacy does add a few new tools few like little pieces uh-huh. that in theory you could translate to a regular pandemic board but you would have to like really plan out ahead of time like what the rules are and understand how it's going to be really laid out to all the players i don't mm-hmm. think it'd necessarily be worth the trouble and the headache yeah you know? um the last one that i actually just discovered thanks to you for the wonderful christmas gift is the legendary games i finally got a member on my Christmas episode, I yes. said I wanted Legendary. Got one, and the best one possible. Yeah, he got one that he didn't know existed. Didn't even know existed, the <laughs> 007 James Bond edition. I was so happy. <laughs> I found out that, yes, the James Bond cards can actually be combined with the Marvel superhero cards because they are laid out on the board in the same way, which I think is fantastic. They have a couple different names for things, like henchmen versus goons or whatever, or gadgets versus bystanders, but essentially it's the same game. However... There are different versions of Legendary, such as the Aliens or the Firefly versions, Mm -hmm. that play completely differently. There is no way that you can combine them with the Marvel or the James Bond one. Uh It's a different animal altogether. So even though they're both by the same company, and they technically, the cards look like they play Mm -hmm. the same, the way the board has to be laid out is incompatible. So just keep that in mind if you're thinking about combining different versions of Uh like the same game. Really think about how well will these mesh together. Sometimes it's seamless, like we say with Super Fighter Cards Against Humanity. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's like a, a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, you know, even though they're both to the same playset, it's not going to fit. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was my quick little rundown of some games that you could technically mix and match. Mm-hmm. But now, how about just some good pairings in general? Let's go to our connoisseur of games, Lauren, for our dice roll section. Well, so if we're looking at games that pair well together, one of my first initial thoughts was, you know, I'm always thinking, okay, if you're going to do like a game night that has like a theme or something, Mm -hmm. um, I think a good one that you could probably um, kind of do in the same night would be um, Ticket to Ride and um, the Cult Express. Nice train they're both game, yeah. train games, yeah. There's also that ticket to ride that it's the Old West theme with True, the map, yeah, right? So exactly. that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be a nice little pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, the, there's definitely lots of options for thematic pairings uh-huh. you can do, you know? I think another th- fun thing you can do would be a game mechanic pairing. Mm-hmm. I think if you did, like, a card draft, yeah, you know, of, um, like, the Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts mm-hmm. and, like, one of the legendary games or clank or something like that you know where you're still drafting cards but then it, the mechanics are slightly different uh-huh. but essentially it's the same core thing kind of mm-hmm. fun you know because then you can kind of do a combination of like it's harry potter and it's sci-fi yeah you know fantasy mm-hmm. sci-fi kind of thing and then you're watching star wars in the background to kind of mend the two you know? <laughs> um another good kind of uh pairing would be i don't even know this is actually more of a triple threat um, would be the Forbidden Games. So Forbidden Island, then Forbidden Desert, and then going into Forbidden Skies and kind of have that through line of story in and a way. I don't know how many people realize this, but there actually is a narrative mm-hmm. throughout there because at first you're the goal is to get to the helicopter. 
in Forbidden Desert, you crash land in that helicopter. Uh, and then in Forbidden Sky, you crash land in the magic ship that you put yeah. together. And what's interesting about those games is they all have kind of a similar um, feel in terms of the strategies, mm-hmm. but they play differently. So There's different dangers you have to look yeah, out for. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think that would be a fun kind of grouping to do one night. I think it's also interesting how those games... The same colors mm-hmm. for the players kind of carry over their abilities from game to game, but they're altered just so slightly so that it to fits fit. the situation. Yeah. Like I remember that the yellow one uh, is the one who can help like navigate, move people around easier, mm-hmm. and in all games that's useful, you know. So like that kind of stays the same. But then the red player, they're the ones who like I think in the island they can shore up twice. In the desert, they can, like, dig twice. So, like, either way, they're just, like, working with a shovel. I don't remember what they do in Sky, but I know it's, like, you can do the same action kind of, like, better than most other people. So I think it's interesting how the core, like, you know, concept of each character's color carries through. Mm-hmm. I know that the black one is all about moving easier. You know, you're, you can swim through their uh, sunken parts. You can climb over sand, or you can help carry people around on the Sky platform. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of fascinating how... It almost like, even though they're just color pieces, they almost have their own personalities that they do carry forward, you know? So yeah, that's a, that's a really great pairing. Uh, one other one that I came up with that I thought was kind of fun would be Smash Up and King of New York because it's just giant ridiculous fights, you know? <laughs> and especially if you can get some, because there's tons of Smash Up decks. If you can get any decks together like that limit the choices, so it would be like, how close to this, like, themes within Kingdom of New York can we get? Can uh-huh. we get, like, dinosaurs and, like, robots, you mm-hmm. know? Kind of like, you know, what the characters you could be choosing from in there. You yeah, that would be fun. Or another one that we had um, that kind of goes along with the Kingdom of New York, Kingdom of Tokyo for the dice rolling and ridiculous fights would be the uh, Arena Battle of the Gods. Yeah. Right? Because it's still the same mechanic mm-hmm. and it's still the same kind of ridiculousness and randomness to it, but then you can kind of move the theme from sci-fi to fantasy again you know so i think those are just kind of fun like if you're looking for if you have a time for one or two games you don't want to play a long game you want two short maybe two medium games mm-hmm. kind of a nice little you know pairing there yeah now we have our traditional and i think this time a very good one for our uh, escape room reports we actually have one from the much beloved 60 out. You know, Lauren, one of your um, favorite themes Mm -hmm. that we don't get to experience too often in other realms other than fantasy, like, you know, play like Dungeons and Dragons, is steampunk. Yes. And, I mean, I get it. Like, I like steampunk. I don't think I like it as much as you do, Mm -hmm. but I definitely appreciate it. But, I mean, we should say, like, as much as I like steampunk, I'm not someone who, like, dresses up. No, no. I just, I I like the aesthetic of it. Yeah, and I get it. You know, Mm -hmm. I totally understand, like, why that's so fun, you know? Yeah. so when we heard that there was a uh, an escape room mm-hmm. with kind of a steampunky theme, we had to sign on board for that. Well, and not only that, but it's at a company that we know and trust mm-hmm. and like, and that is 60 Out, which has multiple locations in LA, um, and we've only scratched the surface of the many rooms that they have. Right. So um, that was more of a drive for us to go. And um, this was actually the first time that we went to their, um, I believe it's in Koreatown, um, that location. So we were interested to go to a different um, 60 out location. Right. So then we went to go do 60 outs Nautilus. Yes. 
So this is basically the, the famed Nautilus from the stories, um, but the captain is missing. Mm-hmm. And we need to first convince the ship computer that we are suitable captain replacements. Right. And then um, defeat, essentially, a the Kraken. Kraken. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, this room, it's kind of cool. Like, first of all, it, it, it's multiple rooms and you kind of, it's kind of along and cylindrical almost too. So it kind of feels like, you know, it a makes ship. sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you kind of start out almost in like a boiler room, electronics room or something. Mm-hmm. And then you get into like the main cabin. Um, and what's really cool is they have big portholes. Um, with video screens on the other side showing like fish and water and I mean it makes the the theming is what you expect from a sixty out because we're supposed to be on a submarine underwater yeah. yeah so you know sixty out they they're good at this they know mm-hmm. what they're doing and this is right up there with some of their other rooms that we've done in terms of theming right. Um, and I mean you have you know because this is supposed to be twenty thousand leagues under ten thousand twenty thousand I, I think. have no idea hundred thousand hundred. I don't know. It's supposed to be X number of leagues under the sea. Uh, yeah. With Captain Nemo. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, you have all this kind of turn of the 19th century, you know, designed furniture and theming around, which is all fun. Yeah. yeah. And once again, we're not talking um, locks and combinations. We are talking, you know, you need to put things in certain orders right. and you need to, um, you know, shine lights on certain things. You know, it's all... Um, computer based it's all you know it's it's all practical kind of moving things around um one of the things i did enjoy that they have in this room is they have this kind of crest that you have to collect multiples of Uh but only one of them is like the correct one to do yeah but it's kind of you got to keep collecting until you can figure out why is this one correct and the Mm -hmm. other ones are not correct yeah you know and then you use that later on you Mm -hmm. know on a machine as kind of like the uh, activation key so that you can use it to prove like yes I'm the captain here's my seat. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um and then eventually you get into like the the next part of the room which is sort of the where you're manning the ship. At the your, battle station. The, yeah, you know. the battle station with um and you know they had a really cool thing on how you know you have to do a lot of teamwork in order to defeat the actual kraken. Mm-hmm. Like one person has to kind of like load the tubes with um with actual torpedoes, torpedoes which is actually pretty cool and like actual like actual yeah i big mean they're not torpedoes. heavy but they're like you know yard and a half long yeah and you actually have to put them in the thing and shut it and everything mm-hmm. um and then the other person has to use the view scope to like aim and then and... A- another person uh has to like you know turn the ship around so that we can like aim because like the person you with have the to view be scope the same is, the person right with the view scope is telling you like oh He's at 15 degrees, uh, you know, starboard. He's 300 yards out. Yeah. And then another person has to be at the thing like, okay, I need to do this much power. And I need to have a turn to be this far or whatever. Yeah, we need to go down this far, up this far. So it was was pretty enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I would say the only thing that I didn't love about this room is something that we've kind of seen in a couple other 60-out rooms Mm -hmm. is that they sometimes... The only way that you would know to do something is with the game master to telling you. Right. Um, there's nothing built in to tell you that that's what you need to do. Um, so to me, like, I'm just like, it would be so easy to fix that. Mm-hmm. Like, but there was definitely at least at least one, if not two points in the room 
where the game master essentially has to kind of tell you what to do. And like, I didn't and love that. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not that we just didn't know or that we needed to hint. It's literally built in that she just has to do that at that mm-hmm. point. Um, so I didn't love that. Um, I know at least one of the points that I'm thinking of is at the very end, um, when you think it's, you're done essentially, but then suddenly, oh no, you have to go back where you've came from to get out. Because normally and... at this point, like we're done, we got a mission. This is when she comes in to like clapping like hey good job guys you yeah did it. and it's like no you still have to leave i'm like what oh yeah it, yeah it was just weird because yeah i was like oh well you still have to get out and oh the what looks like an obvious door is not you have to go back the way you came and oh that door shut how are you going to get out and we're like what yeah. like it was just also a bit of a safety hazard in this room because yeah. at one point you have to run a very long cable mm-hmm. from the first room all the way to the last room. And the cable's mm-hmm. long enough to do that, but, you know... Yeah. When you're going back, all the lights have shut down because the power is off, and these emergency lights are on uh-huh. that are, like, at the exit that you have to get to, but they're, like, really bright, like, blinding. floodlights. yeah. And they are blinding you. So and it's so, easy to trip and stuff. Like, even though, like, yes, this is clearly the way to go, I just laid a cable that I hasn't been there for the past hour, you know, mm-hmm. and now I have to like walk and like try and not to trip And you're being blinded by this light. Yeah, so, so yeah, it was a little bit of a hazard at the end. It was like, ooh, maybe maybe tone that light down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, or angle it down a little bit. Angle it down some, yeah. yeah. You know, or how about this? Don't have those bright white lights come on. Have the room instead flood with red light. Yeah. Because yeah. you can see as well in red light, you know, because I mean, I, I worked in a dark room mm-hmm. doing photography and like that's red light. So you yeah. can still see what you're doing, but that's also a sign of like emergency or like low power or, you know, something's wrong mm-hmm. in, in any case, you know, yeah. so that would be enough to like, okay, now we need to exit. Uh-huh. And then maybe you have like that room in the back there is not red light, it's white light. So it helps mm-hmm. us stand out like, oh, we should go to the room that's not red. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it was just, it, it could have been done a little bit um, better at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit of a hazard, really. Um, other than that, I mean, all of the puzzles fit the theme. Right. Um, there's a lot of physical interaction with the room. Like we said, it's not a lot of... Um, unlocking things. It's a lot of moving things. There's a really cool and... map with one of those like bendable, like flexible, multi-jointed uh-huh. arms as a magnifying glass uh-huh. on it, and you got to do stuff with that. That was fun to play around with. Yeah, I had a good time with that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a lot of teamwork where it requires you and the other person to be communicating with one another mm-hmm. and doing things to work together as a, to achieve a goal, which I always appreciate that when rooms have that kind of right. thing. Like you literally could not do this room with just one person. You yeah. Have to yeah. Have and it's not one where, you know, some puzzles, yeah, one person could do it and the other person could sit by and watch. Mm-hmm. This is not, you have to, at least two people have to be working together. Right. Um, it is a room that only two people can do. It does, um, this room goes up to six players, which actually I think is, it, it definitely has room for six people. Um, I mean, we didn't really have any problem with this room with just two, it's but if you're not, too. yeah, it is a bit linear. Um, but if you're not like super, um, experienced escape room players, I think six, you know, it's, that's not too, too many. Like we've had yeah. ones where you're just like, oh, there's no way you can even fit this many people in there. Um, you can definitely comfortably fit six people in this room, I think. I think the problem, though, with having anything over three or four players mm-hmm. is once you get to the war room there's, at the end, yeah. there's only three stations yeah, and only three things to do. Uh-huh. There's aim the ship, use the periscope to locate the creature, mm-hmm. and then fire the torpedo. Yeah. But like, 
Yeah, I mean, people could take turns doing that. You could take turns, yeah, but yeah. it's, yeah, you know, and then... I mean, at one point, it was getting kind of, it gets more difficult. It's it's kind of like a video game in a way. I was about it to gets, say exactly that. It gets progressively more more difficult, and you were having problems with it at one point, so we switched. So, mm-hmm. like, I could see if I could do it better, or, you know, yeah. just... Well, because the problem is, like, the periscope, like, I can hold it steady, mm-hmm. but then, like, the, the viewpoint that I have keeps tilting to the left. It's almost like a slow drift in your car. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the number's still there, but, like, I'm also having to aim the thing to, like, walk yeah. on and, like, see, like, you know, how far he weighs and make sure it's there. And it's like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, why does it keep tilting? So then I have to keep turning around, and then, like, my feet are, like... Yeah, and also you were a little tall for it, so you were having yeah. difficulty with that, too. So, and then my main problem is, in this room, they do such a beautiful job of, like, out the portholes having like you know views of like marine wildlife you yeah know? and like it looks very realistic that's underwater there yeah but then when you look through the porthole at the kraken <laughs> it literally is just a sprite from like final fantasy 5 <laughs> like it looks like just a basic optical yeah. sprite from like some like nes or super nintendo mm. like video game that like really this is where you drew the line for budget like, <laughs> yeah but i mean they, they that probably wasn't easy to get either like they probably had to have like somebody who knows how to do video games create that for them uh, i still think you can put in a better graphic yeah i mean i yeah i would say i do think nautilus is one of their um maybe older rooms a little bit it's not one of their brand new yeah. rooms anyway um so i definitely you know We've seen maybe some of their more newer rooms, so we've seen some of the latest stuff that they can do. Um, you know, like, it, it's not as good as Hyde Circus, for no. sure, which we did and we loved. Um, but it's definitely still a very... Uh, it was an enjoyable room. It's still up to the quality that I expect from 60 Out in terms of technology and theming and design and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it was still enjoyable, but just... There's a few moments where I'm like, really? Like Yeah, it's not it's not a super difficult room. They do rate the difficulty at medium. Um, so that you know, that kinda tells you And there's a couple puzzles, if we're being honest, where it's the magnet that like, you know, you have to put the thing onto the desk or onto mm-hmm. this particular spot and there's some kind of a magnet or some kind of like a chip reader. Yeah. That like activates. But some of those, like, for the puzzles are very specific. Mm-hmm. And in, in one case, you have to follow a set of directions, and then the thing ends up in a certain space to, you know, unlock something. And I did it, like, three times yeah. correctly, mm-hmm. and yet it still wasn't unlocking. The Game Master then had to say, like, just try wiggling it around, because, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's a little bit sensitive, and, yeah. like, you gotta... Yeah, I mean, right. that, that does happen with um, all kind of more technology technology-based room and i understand um, that but that and i do think that's yeah and i do think that's one thing that i've heard as the biggest criticism from 60 out is that sometimes you know the one bad thing about having a lot of technology is sometimes the technology fails like right. i've definitely heard that about some of their rooms um we haven't experienced it with the other rooms that we've done from them um and this one you know nothing was broken per se and nothing no. didn't work it was just sometimes it was a little finicky yeah and it's just frustrating when like I know I'm doing this correctly, uh-huh. but yet because it's not activating, I'm starting to second guess myself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then like it kind of, I guess I could say takes a hit to my morale. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that's quite the right word, but you know what I'm saying though. Yeah. You know? it, yeah, it starts to frustrate you for no reason. And so then you're like, ah, you know. Yeah, and then, so then any other difficulty, I come across the puzzle like, well, this is dumb. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I, 
the really neat little location that they have here. Um, the only thing I didn't love about this particular location is that they don't have any kind of dedicated parking and parking is very scarce around there. Yes. Um, they even recommend that you go kind of around the block to where it's more residential and try to park there rather than um, paying at the... Um, the they have um the meters meters yeah um but because the meters aren't like an hour long i believe they're like 30 minutes or something yeah. so they said you know that's kind of the problem is that you can't you run can't do that. you can't run back out and pay the meter um so that's the only kind of bad thing about this room or this location is that they the other um 60 out location we've done did have a dedicated parking lot um so that made a it a tiny little bit nicer. one but it, but it was there yeah but it was there yeah exactly this one has has nothing like that it's also, interestingly enough, right across the street from another really popular um, L.A. escape room. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting to note that um, if we, we, I mean, if we will be coming back to do some of their other rooms at this location. Oh, yeah. So we'll probably end up. Like this location, if I remember correctly, had that Turing test one. It did. Um, it also has the um, Tesla room, I yeah. believe. Which um, are both of interest to us. Yeah. It has a couple different sure. ones. Um it's it's their Western Avenue location. So if you if you go to their website, um, you can see everything that they have on um, Western Avenue. That's the one thing also I kind of don't like about their site mm-hmm. is that I wish they would organize the because you know the site's put together pretty well. Don't get me wrong, the sixtyout.com yeah slash Los Angeles. But the problem is that like when you're looking at all the rooms themselves, they're not organized by location. Mm-hmm. They, they, I, I can't tell what the order is if it's just alphabetical. Yeah, well, what, if you go to locations, then you can you, yeah. you can actually pick the location and it will show you a little thing. So at this this is they call it their Koreatown location. They have the Time Machine, Nautilus, Turing Test, and Orphanage. The Time Machine is like the Tesla one we were talking yeah. about. Um, and I know one of the rooms, I don't know if it's the Turing test or the time machine. It's like multiple rooms. It's a, you're like all separated in a bunch of rooms, right. they told us. So that sounds really cool. The orphanage looks like, um, a typical kind of creepy room. So is that had anything to do, do you think with the orphan, the movie, that we just, <laughs> no. the movie we covered recently for movie date night? Yeah, no. Is it I about 33 it year olds as children? Spoiler alert for orphan. It came out 10 years ago. You've had yeah. the time to watch it. The, the other thing that I think is kind of neat low about their location. And they don't do it for all of their locations, um, but some of their locations, if you go to their website and you're looking up their rooms and stuff, they will also give you um, ideas for what else is around. And I so, appreciate So, like, that. they'll give you food recommendations and other um, kind of sites of interest that are nearby that location. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a nice little bonus. Um, we actually, this one in particular, after we did it, we it was actually our 70th escape room. Right. So it was kind of like a anniversary milestone right. if you will so we actually went afterwards um to game Hoss, which is a um a game cafe in los angeles mm-hmm. that we like that we don't get to go to very often um so we went and celebrated there it was pretty fun yeah mm-hmm. i will say you know once again for a 60 out location they have ni- a nice big lobby with games mm-hmm. and like it's it's what we've seen at a lot of their locations so far is that they kind of always have like a nice lobby one of the things that can be difficult when you're coming from far away is you don't always know exactly when you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you never want to be rushed. So sometimes you have to leave yourself a little bit of extra time. So you might be waiting a little while before they get the, as they get the room set up or yeah. before it's your time to go in. You know, one thing I did appreciate about this room, though, that other rooms have trouble getting right mm-hmm. is the journal. Because in many rooms, there will be like a character's journal of uh-huh. like, 
not only is it giving you backstory, but it's also giving you clues or, like, things that you should know to, like, solve puzzles, right? Mm-hmm. Like, some rooms, it goes way too heavy upon backstory. Like, oh, yeah. I gotta sort through all this garbage. Or they try to use it, like, it's almost like this key to the entire room. And so yeah. you have to keep referring to this journal and reading this journal. Right. And it, it's just sort of like, oh, well, this is kind of a... I don't know, or, a basic way to do Or they'll this. have it be like the most bare bone things where like all the pages are ripped out except for the ones that you needed. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm always like, really? Come on now. Yeah. But this room, the Nautilus, actually finds a pretty good balance with mm-hmm. that where it does give you some, you know, background, uh, you know, plot. And like the captain's like, oh, the computer and I were playing chess together, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, the cr- crew morale's down, you know. But it's, a, it's concise and... It gets to the the story plot, and then immediately gets to the point that you need. And it's also very clear what you need from it and what yeah. you need to do with it. Sometimes when they do have like that journal kind of situation, they will try to like write it in character or in prose or in ways to make it more clever. And it's just like, yeah. what are you trying to say? What you know? It's like it gets away from them in a way. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this was, it was very clear what we needed to do. And yet at the same time, it still did feel in character. Yeah, it did. It's just they, like, they, they, they didn't try. To stay they didn't get heavy handed with right. it. Right. That's what I'm That's saying. That's what I'm, yeah, yeah, I agree. And so like, and on each page, you know that on each page, there's something that I need. Mm-hmm. And it's not written in like tiny print and it's not like 10 paragraphs per page. It's like, seven sentences per page at best and you know that half of that at least is going to be useful to you yeah so you know, yeah <laughs> but but then the other half is like here's the reason why you would get this information mm-hmm. which i appreciate because that that seems to me to be one of the hardest things for escape rooms to do right mm-hmm. it, or to do well is to incorporate that seamlessly without having it seem like you say too heavy-handed yeah or without being like obviously like oh just we we couldn't figure out a cl- more clever way to do this so here's Here's the Psycho Killer's journal, which is mad scribblings of the numbers 4573. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I wonder if that's a code for anything. Uh-huh, yeah. Or we don't know how to integrate things into the room, so you just have to use this big binder to figure out all the puzzles. Right. Like, we've definitely had that. Like, oh, don't get me wrong. Binders can be useful. There was the one that we did for the ghost chamber, where the yeah. binder is the essentially the instruction and repair manual mm-hmm. for the ghost chamber itself. And that fits. And I'm yeah. totally cool with that, you know? But yeah. in other cases, like, really, this should yeah, be a binder. Yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking in particular of a room that we did a, a, quite a while ago that all of their rooms incorporate this binder. Mm-hmm. And essentially, each page is, this is how you do this puzzle. This is how you do this puzzle. That. You know, yeah. and it becomes, like, it's essentially the key that you need to do all of the puzzles in the room. And it's just sort of an inelegant way of doing things mm-hmm. it's very basic it's very you know it's not very clever it felt like one guy got given half an hour to solve that for all the rooms he goes yeah. oh whatever just you know <laughs> universal print five times yeah so like that's it's just that is a very basic way of how of a, the idea of escape rooms right um whereas this like it worked it you didn't have to use it for too long it was clear on what you, you needed to do mm-hmm. but it still fit you know, it was like you said, it was a good use of a journal. Yeah, and I think the thing that 60 Odd does better than anybody else is they keep the theme a lot. Mm-hmm. They really do their best to keep it up and to maintain it at all times. You yeah. Know? It's kind of like, you know, never break character kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so another successful um, escape from 60 Out, and that was, once again, was Nautilus. Have we lost a 60 Out yet? Uh, we have not. So there but you go. But we've only lost... 
four, five rooms all together. But none of them have been so, 60 out, yeah. No, none of them have been 60 okay. out, yeah. And actually, well, all but one 60 out, we've done just the two of us. So True. we've done one with three, but the rest was just the two of us. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty good odds. Yeah. We got a pretty good run. <laughs> yeah. No, I just jinxed it. So, hey, next time you hear from us from 60 out, it'll be a failure. <laughs> yeah. But even still, an enjoyable one, I'm sure. Yes, of course. Well, that was a successful escape room. But now let's get into our Friday favorites. So what game is it that you are thinking about right now, Mr. Greg? Well, okay. I already said that my next one is going to be Capers. Mm -hmm. Because I've been looking forward to that so hard. And, you know, I have to stick to that because I'm dying for it. But... The other one that's in my heart mm-hmm. is the legendary game James Bond 007. Mm-hmm. It's now, my new toy I haven't got to play with too much. Yeah, yet. now you you knew about the legendary games, I just right? didn't know that they had this but one. you didn't know, and it's a fairly new one. It only came out, um, I think, in November. Oh, wow, so, so it's super it's new. pretty new, yeah. yeah. It completely flew under my radar. Yeah. Much like how James Bond did with the man in the golden gun, <laughs> which is part of this game. I love it. Uh-huh. In this game, they have the golden trilogy. Mm-hmm. That's what I call it, because yeah. I'm a nerd. They have uh, Goldfinger, the man with the gold. Golden Gun and Golden Eye, mm-hmm. and then they have Casino Royale because they want to throw Daniel Craig in there. Uh-huh. Why I didn't get Timothy Dalton, I'll never know. <laughs> I get why they didn't do George Lazenby because yeah, he only had he the one movie. One, yeah. I guess you have to have a minimum four for them to consider you for this game, you know. But <laughs> I hope it does well enough to get um, expansions. They gave you a box that's plenty big. Mm-hmm. That yeah, it's a to, big box. They gave you a box with room to grow. Mm-hmm. There's like considering how much space they give you it doesn't even take up a third of the room in that box for like the space they give you for the cards that you have Uh so they definitely are hoping that you'll combine it you know but i don't know considering how much of a pain and headache it is to try to figure out how to set it up Mm -hmm. because it's very finicky they want you to go through all four of the different movies but you have to very much particularly sort them out and sort them into little mini groups and, like, they didn't give you any kind of dividing sleeves to keep track of them in the box. So mm-hmm. people have got to go online, like, on the Board Game Geek, make their own dividing sleeves and say, hey, guys, here's a PDF that you can print out mm-hmm. for your dividing sleeves. And that's kind of a nightmare Yeah, in, in yeah. Itself. I definitely feel like um, a, a new theme for a, maybe a future episode is forming of games that are um, a lot of work to set up and get, you know, just to that play time. Risk is going to be on that list for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and of course, it, this game kind of comes at a good timing because if you listen to one of our previous episodes, you know we're in in the midst of a James Bond draft. So, we're coming to the end of it, actually. Yeah, and guess draft. who's in the lead right now? <laughs> Lauren. Well, you and I are in close uh, close contested so, right now. So for those of you who are interested in finding out more about this, mm-hmm. you can contact us online through Facebook or Twitter. But as of right now, I've kind of been predicting ahead as to how it's going to go Mm -hmm. and essentially my entire game comes down to how dangerous of a villainess Xenia on a top from GoldenEye is so I have to really hope that she's better than I remember her being (laughs) because I know that she has like one really good fight with James in Asana Uh and I know that she kills some people but she's got to do like a lot of damage to catch up to you because you had a killer pick for your bond Mm -hmm. with um Moonraker. Moonraker. And that's like, I've been struggling yeah. to catch you ever since. And then the other thing we did during the draft is we had what we call the flex pick, mm-hmm. where you could pick from any of the categories except for Bond. You couldn't pick a second That was bond. a ruling I made, yeah. But you well, because Bond is like the quarterback. He's going to score the most points. Yeah. 
But you could pick, you know, oh, I want to go for this other song. I want to go for, um, another, I want to have another Bond girl. I want to have two Bond girls. And I, what I think was a wise choice, Very is wise, I actually. went for a second villain, and I got two of the stronger villains in the, in the whole game. Well, tell so. them why you picked your flex villain. Of, I knew he talked a lot. <laughs> yeah. She picked Christoph Waltz's Blofeld. Yeah. And she's like, oh, Christoph Waltz is a character? Yeah, I'm picking him because yeah. he talks forever. <laughs> but it made up for the fact that I kind of picked a not-so-great henchman. So. Yeah, you picked Dario from License to Kill. Yeah, who wasn't Which, the best. you know, he, he's an intimidating-looking guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't actually do much because they actually send him away for half the movie yeah. to go get some missiles. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I, I had some pretty strong picks, too. Um, you know, I, I picked the best or one of the best Bond girls of uh, Melina from For Your Eyes Only. Based upon how our scoring works, she actually's mm-hmm. gotten really up there. So Greg's definitely looking forward to kind of finishing out our draft with his legendary James Bond right. game. And then also, in case anyone's interested, I have already redone the Bond draft with new ways to score it. So it's not like I have an advantage because mm-hmm. I don't know how the points will work out for the new one. So if people are interested, I'm, I'd be interested to try to get an online draft going. Oh, yeah. Maybe. So maybe we could post a little thing about that and get people excited about it. <laughs> How about you, Lauren? What's your Friday favorite? Um, my Friday favorite is also a game that I was given over Christmas, and that is uh, finally got our own copy of Sagrada. Right. Um, and that was just a game that I every time we play it, it's really enjoyable. It's definitely challenging. In fact, it's, it's almost deceivingly challenging. It's so hard near the end. Yeah. Um, and I just like that it's it's simple, it's easy to teach, it's a pretty little game, it's a good one that just you and I can play, which mm-hmm. I think is nice to have. It's nice to have a mix of games that we can play with our friends, but also ones where when it's just the two of us that we want to play. Right. Um, it's nice to have those options. So I really liked Sagrada, and um, I already can't kind of wait to get the expansion, but I want to play it some more before we get move on and buy an expansion. I feel like I'm missing something with that game because I've never been able to complete a window like mm-hmm. 100%. Both times that we've played in the more recently, you've yeah. like 100% filled your window. And like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> you know, like, apparently I'm just like not planning ahead pro- yeah, properly maybe. enough. But like, I keep going like, oh, but I can't put a two there and I can't put a blue there and all that's left is two blues. Yeah. You know, so. Well, yeah, that's part of it. It's kind of, you have to kind of gamble and be like, oh, well, you know, you get down to the end and you only maybe need this color, this number, and that's not coming up, you know? So you kind of got to figure out in the beginning, okay, what, I'm going to grab this now because what if I don't get it again? And it's... You know what my other problem is that I think I just realized is I use those tools Mm -hmm. too early. Maybe. Because there's like artisan tools that are randomly put into the game Mm -hmm. that like based upon how difficult your window is to complete, you'll get so many little tokens to use these tools to help you kind of be able to cheat and like bypass certain rules to complete your window and i do that early when i come across my first like obstacle to be like uh-huh. no i have to do it so i can go with my plan but i notice that you save it to the very end when it gets harder then you're like mm-hmm. now i'm using my tools so i think yeah. that's the trick you gotta maybe. wait till the end yeah maybe you're just getting too excited to use it and right you're getting too stuck to your plan that's the thing i'm not being flexible enough yeah i'm being too laser focused like i have to do this and then uh-huh. this and then this and then i'm i'm closing my options off too yeah. early yeah but can, like for a game that's so simple, that's just a bunch of colored dice and little cardboard things. It's it's a really fun. Like it's always interesting to me when someone can make such a fun and interesting game with such simple um, materials. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. That this is the sign of a great game. 
where it's half strategy, mm-hmm. but also half luck. Mm-hmm. Because I can plan as much as I want for how my window's going to be laid out. And you don't know what the roll's going to be. But I don't know what dice are going to come out of the bag because yeah. the colored dice matter. Uh-huh. And I don't know what they're going to roll. And as much as, like I said, there's tools you can use, realistically, you can only go to that well about three times at most. Yeah. And then you're done. So, mm-hmm. like, you really, really have to hope and pray that what you need comes out. I, I, but I do like those games where, like, even if you're a master player, yeah, there's you, still you could just get a bad draw. Yeah, yeah, that's always nice too because it gives other people a chance. Mm-hmm. It's a very um, equalizing, leveling playing field. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that does it for this episode of Friday's Game Night. Music for this episode was Mega Rest by TwinsMusic.com. Uh, as always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. However, rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it really helps new listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So come talk games with us. Thanks for listening and goodbye.